Hi, and welcome to episode number 97 of the weekly Google Cloud Platform podcast. I am Francis Campoy, and I'm here with my colleague, Mark Mandel. Hey, Mark, how are you doing? I am very well. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty happy. Back from Chicago. Uh, you're back from your favorite conference of all time. Strange Loop. Yes. Yes. And we're in the same place at the same time. Yeah. I don't see new Strange Loop t-shirt. I was wearing it yesterday. Uh, okay, that's why. That's Good. why. Good. Not not using the same t-shirt over Absolutely. morning days. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so today we're going to have something really special because two managers from the Firebase team are here to talk about something that was announced yesterday. Yeah, we're pretty quick. Cloud Firestore. Dun, yep. dun, dun. Which is <laughs> an amazing thing. It's basically... If you love Firebase real-time database, it is basically something similar, but even more powerful. Yeah. Uh, so if you have huge scaling needs, or you need to do really cool filtering, stuff like that, Cloud Firestore is for you. Yeah, and if you want that real-time database goodness as well, yep. it's pretty awesome. It is really, really cool. And uh, we're going to have both uh, Dan McGrath and Alex Dufetel. Uh, they're going to tell us all about it. And after that, we'll have our question of the week which is not about Cloud Firestore, but about Cloud Data Store. Yeah, we're going to have a quick chat about, I've got stuff in Data Store, but I'd really like to be able to export it, maybe so I can use it locally or in other things. How do I do that? Yeah, um, backups, stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Maybe you, can't, you want to export it into, I don't know, BigQuery or whatever. Many ways of doing it, and we have something new that we're going to discuss on that. But before all of this, we have our cool things of the week. And the first one is something that I think is, it, it was really cool that we announced it like, oh, by the way, we're announcing per second billing on Google Cloud Platform. Yeah. That was like, okay, we, we've done that. Good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I find it's a very nice blog post. Go read it and <laughs> let us know what you think. I think it's very well written. Yes, I agree. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it a lot. Actually, it's kind of cool. The, the one thing I like about it is it does talk about sort of the difference between per minute and per second billing. Yeah. Uh, going from per hour to per minute, the amount of money that you're going to save is, is quite large, whereas going per minute to per second, meh. Yeah, it's basically like uh, with one, you can buy coffee. With the other one, you can buy a coffee machine. Yes, <laughs> I love that. I love that. So, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, previously, uh, the only thing that were built per second were actually persistent disks. And I think there's also the use discounts on GPUs. But now it is basically all of the things. So you have Compute Engine, Container Engine, Cloud Data Proc, App Engine Flexible. And the cool thing is that this was announced uh, as something that, you know, it's like it's going to be implemented, but not really. It was September 26th. was like, oh, by the way, this is effective now. Yep. So. You're already saving money. You don't need to do anything. It's just there. It's there. Which is cool. Uh, let's go to the second two cool things of the week, actually. Two new languages are general availability on App Engine. So, uh, yeah, so we have PHP 7.1. And I'm not a PHP expert by any way, but uh, one of the things that is cool is that it is it has now support for site driver logging and network reporting. Which is really important because if you have an application running on production, being able to see what is going on and when it fails, understand how it failed, it is really important and SiteDriver helps you with that. Yep. And then we also have Java 8. Yeah, so Java 8, very simple uh, and obviously something people wanted for a very long time. 
Lambdas. Yeah, but now that means like if you want to uh, use Java 8, basically just add Java 8 line to your app engine-web.xml file, redeploy your application, and you're pretty much good to go. Um, it was pretty cool during the beta release. They continued to enhance the performance of the runtime such that so mo- many customers were able to see like benefits going all the way through on that platform. Uh, but now you can use Java 8. Yeah, and something that is mentioned quite quick, but it, I think it's really, really important is the fact that during uh, with Java 7, there was a lot of limitations among other things on security on the class loader, and that limited the number of classes that you could load. So there was a white list of classes or Java classes that were supported. That has been removed, and the same thing for the usual thread execution, which oh, yeah? I wonder how unusual that was. I wonder what that means. <laughs> There's a story <laughs> but, there. But yeah, uh, those two things have been completely removed, so uh, App Engine with Java 8 is basically just Java 8 on App Engine. Yeah, uh, so nothing special. JD9, fully outbound gRPC connections, you can yeah. do all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, very, very cool. Very excited about that, really. Awesome. So, of course, one of my favorite topics, Kubernetes. Uh, Kubernetes 1.8 is now been released. Uh, this time it's more, it looks like Spotlight on security, workload support. Uh, so there's some new features in our back. Uh, I'm pretty excited cron jobs finally have come out of alpha and now beta. That makes me super happy. <laughs> it is good that it makes you happy, but it feels like something so obvious and simple. But I mean, if you need it's, it... It's useful. Like it's yeah. a thing that you need to do across a cluster machine once, right? So that's, I mean, it's now sure. in beta. That's great. So there's there's a lot of work there being done for actual like data storage, things like that. If you want to do like key value stores or some kind of storage engine, stuff like that, that's the stuff that's really been solidified. So yeah, another great release from the Kubernetes team, rolling that out, just really kind of, you know, doesn't have to be big and splashy. Yeah, just, no, just another I, good thing. And congratulations to the Kubernetes community because, like, the yep. pace at which they release new features is amazing. So, congratulations to them. Now, one thing that is cool, uh, if you run on GKE and you run on us, there is some new stuff on us. The one thing I will mention, we'll link to the blog post. There's a bunch of stuff. But now, if you go into the cloud console, we have a bunch more of like doohickeys that you can basically look at. So, there's a lot more information that you can see oh, about nice. what's running inside containers. Enable, you can basically start doing development tasks inside the UI. There's improved integration with Stackdriver and Cloud Shell. Um, you can have a look in the blog post, but there's some there's some pretty sweet stuff in there. Cool. And for the last cool thing of the week that we're going to mention really quick, it is the fact that we're announcing Cloud IoT Core public beta. And we will have an episode on Cloud IoT. Yep. So we'll not get too much into the detail, but basically if you are managing a fleet of devices, IoT devices, and you need to manage them, manage the certificates, make sure that the connection is safe and all of these things, and that you're able to connect with all of them and gather metrics from them, IoT Core is exactly for this use case. And check it out. It is now public beta, so it's definitely the moment to go play with it and let us know what you think. IoT, all the things. IoT, all the cores. Yes. Things. Thing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> cool. Sweet. So why don't we go have a chat with Dan and Alex and talk all about Cloud Firestore? Sounds good. Let's do that. So I am very excited to welcome uh, two product managers from Firebase, both of them working in the Cloud Firestore team, Dan McGrath and Alex Dufetel. Uh, how are you both doing? Excellent. Good morning. Hey. Good morning. Doing well. Good morning. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the latest product that was launched yesterday for Firebase, which is uh, Cloud Firestore. But before we get into all of the cool details about this new product, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourselves, what you do at Google? Uh, Let's start with you, then. Okay. Uh, So I'm a product manager on the Cloud Firestore team, uh, also working on Cloud Data Store. And before that, I was on Google Drive. 
So I'm a PM on the Cloud Firestore team as well. Uh, I also work on the Firebase real-time database. And uh, prior to joining Firebase, I actually ran and sold a company that was powered by Firebase products, which I'll probably touch a little bit on. Uh, cool. Later. All right. So we're here to talk about Firestore. Uh, clearly, Firebase didn't have enough cool things, so we're just going to add one more extra cool thing. Who wants to tell us, like, an overview level, like, what is Cloud Firestore? Uh, so Cloud Firestore is a fully managed NoSQL database. Um, it comes as a second database offering in the Firebase uh, portfolio. Uh, so users will now have two databases that they can choose from, the real-time database and Cloud Firestore. So you mentioned it's a, a non-relational database, which makes me think about Bigtable. But I'm also assuming that it is it has the, all the goodness from uh, the real-time database. So it's still like that real-time nature of it? Right. Um, so. Uh, stepping back a little bit, Cloud Firestore addresses uh, many of the limitations of the real-time database. The, the real-time database has long been the flagship product of uh, Firebase. Uh, it was uh, among its uh, first offering of products. Uh, and it solved many, many hard problems that, data, that developers have. Uh, one, it uh, makes it very easy to imagine and scale your backend. Um, and it powers allows developers to power real-time features, which are uh, without without proper tooling very difficult mm -hmm. to build. And it also um, allows for uh, to, to build offline-ready apps. The problems with the real-time database is that uh, as we scaled, and the real-time database has really been is like is a very successful uh, product with hundreds of thousands of developers using it. Um, but as the database scaled, and as we've started having more usage, usage patterns evolved. Hmm. And what we saw is people uh, using the database for like across all their app needs, not just the real-time bits. And as they were doing so, they really hit two different types of limits. Uh, the first is around uh, data uh, structuring and querying. And the other is around scalability. Um, what happens with the real-time database is that um, if you want to build very sophisticated uh, apps and access your data in very sophisticated ways, you sometimes have to structure it in kind of convoluted ways. And the other thing is, beyond a certain limit, it scales very well, but beyond a certain limit, you need to start creating shards. Uh, and those are the problems, kind of the core problems that Cloud Firestore uh, solves. Cool. So uh, could you tell us a little bit more about wh where those limits are, more or less, so our audience can have an idea of whether they should be using the real-time database or uh, Cloud Firestore? The scalability limit of the real-time database is most often expressed as the number of concurrent users that you can have, mm -hmm. uh, and those are approximately 100,000. It's not really, uh, we, we put this as a hard limit. You may actually hit some scalability issues before that, but most of the time, this is what you can reach. 100,000 concurrent users. That is a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, that is, yeah, <laughs> that's a big party. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about uh, what people were doing with the real-time database and uh, how that motivated this Cloud Firestore story. You mentioned that the way you were modeling data before was sometimes awkward. Could you talk a little bit more about that and how Cloud Firestore is different? Right. Um, so first, I'd like to start with some of the things that are uh, similar. Uh, sure. Yeah. With the, with the real-time database. Good idea. So um, first, uh, like the real-time database, Cloud Firestore features uh, uh, rich client SDKs that allow you to build directly from uh, web, iOS, and Android. And that's really a big deal because it allows you to access your data directly from your clients, and it basically allows you to not have to build a proxy layer to do all the access control, the data validation, and the delivery of your data to your app. So it saves you a lot of time. 
this is made possible in the back end by a set of security rules that developers can define uh, that basically allow you to define who and how uh, your data can be accessed. So uh, along the way, this model of client SDKs with rules also makes it much easier to build more secure apps. The second thing that is similar with a real-time database is that Cloud Firestore allows you to fetch your data in real time. Now, this is actually a very, very big deal. Um, on the surface, you may think that it's great because it allows you to build real-time functionality. Like typically, you want to build a collaborative whiteboard, or you want to build a messaging app, yeah. and having a real-time database for that is really cool. It's, uh, it's, well, that's true. The advantages of having a real-time database uh, extend kind of way beyond that. In particular, one of the things that it allows uh, you to do is to have a, just build much more reactive apps. Uh, the other thing is, uh, nowadays, you very often you need to sync your data across potentially multiple devices. And you get that out of the box with a real-time database. Does this also work, say, offline and online? I know Real-Time Database had that as an option as well. Right. So actually, that is one of the uh, features that um, I think our, our, our group of, uh, of developers testing the Cloud Firestore so far has been most excited about, because it's something that's very complicated to build as a developer, because you need to build all the, the sync logic, the conflict resolution logic, and Firestore does this completely behind the scenes. Uh, it does this for Android, for iOS, and now it does this for web as well, which is unique and wasn't available for yes. the real-time database. For those listening, one of the things that is really powerful with this is there's, there's really two things to offline. One is kind of the vanilla use case, which is I want to use my app offline uh, purely. Say I'm going on the plane, I have no mm -hmm. Wi-Fi, I want to use my, my app for a couple hours, and then um, when I reconnect, all my data gets synced back. But there's another aspect which is just as important uh, is what we call latency compensation. And what that is is basically um, we switch between offline and online behind the scenes for you so that we can compensate for network flakiness. So say you're in the airport, you're, you have poor Wi-Fi. What typically happens with the normal app is your app slows down as your requests slow down. Hmm. With Cloud Firestore, what happens is that we automatically serve you what's in the cache, or we cache your writes so that um, to wait for your network to be, uh, to be back uh, to, to sync those changes. So as a user, your app continues working beautifully. And that's a new feature? Uh, no, latency compensation was available for the real-time database. Okay. Uh, but this, isn't, but now it's available for web as well. Cool. Uh, so now it's available for web as well with Cloud Firestore or with, with Cloud Firestore. Cool. So just back to the data model question. Yeah. Um, so Cloud Firestore features a, a familiar collection and document model, um, and this model is architected with it has a little bit of a twist over uh, typical collection documents uh, because it allows you to very easily structure your data hierarchically. And the reason why this is important is that it allows you to tie related data together. And hmm. as we've seen, this is like the, the most intuitive way to store your data. And what we've learned with the real-time database is that it is extremely important that the intuitive design patterns are also the right ones. This has two effects. One, it considerably uh, accelerates the, the learning curve when you're starting to use a product. Um, but even more importantly, uh, it prevents you from having to re-architect your data as your app grows. Uh, so it's something that we're very excited about. The second thing that we're very excited about is uh, that this data model comes with very expressive queries, which is really new compared to the real-time database, which had a very, very basic querying language. And last but not least, this, these queries are extremely performant. So we've actually architected the database and our queries in a way that all queries scale with the result set, not the data set. 
So what that means is that if you're querying, fetching one result out of 100 or out of 100 million, you'll get the same performance. Nice. That's really nice. So uh, could you talk a little bit about the query capabilities of both the real-time database and Firebase uh, and Cloud Fi uh, Firestore? What kind of things can you do? So typically, with the real-time database, you were limited to uh, a filter on a single property. Okay. Um, with Cloud Firestore, you can filter on multiple properties. Uh, you can uh, mix equalities and inequality filters. Uh, you can do offsets. You can do cursor positions. Uh, you can do quite a, quite a bit of fancy things. Can you do aggregations? Like if you want to use this report, or it's not really that kind of tool? No, you cannot do aggregations. No, you can do small aggregations on the client side. Nice. Um, taking into account the scalability factor mm. of returning result set rather than data set size latency. Cool. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, when you're doing filters, you're doing filters on, on properties, uh, among other things. Those properties, are is there a schema for the people that don't know that much about, like, there's NoSQL, so I'd say no, but is there somewhere a list of all of the properties? So like you mentioned, it's really a schemaless database. So that means every document can have its own independent schema. Mm. Uh, you can get a list of fields back from each document and query against them, but it makes it really easy to continually evolve your app as you add new fields to it. You don't need to go back and alter tables and wait for things to rebuild. Cool. Awesome. All right, so this sounds super cool. Um, I, I'm going to ask the question as well, Like, is there, like, Apart from the client side, is there ways of interacting with that on like the back end? Is there like a server integration part? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we actually have a set of server SDKs you can use, whether it's compute VMs or a Kubernetes cluster or even say you're running uh, locally on your machine. So we've got Java, Python, Node.js, and Go server nice. client libraries <laughs> available. Cool. Uh, so what are those server as or backend SDKs uh, useful for? What kind of use case have you seen people using them for? Many different ones. Uh, two quick examples are integrating with existing systems. So you're writing a new mobile app and you want data updates to be reflected out mm. into your mobile app or website. You can do that via those server SDKs. Uh, the other big one is sort of like offline big batch processing, you want to update something or add new data into it. That's very easy to do. Just spin up a compute VM and off you go. And since serverless is the new hotness, is there hmm. some sort of cloud function type thing going on? Sure. So Cloud Firestore allows you to integrate with cloud functions, allowing you to trigger code uh, on writes and deletes. And edits. And edits. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, cool. So what does the development experience look like? Is this integrated in like the usual Firebase tooling? Like how do I if I wanna if I wanna play with this thing, what do I what am I writing? Um, so First, if you want to play with this, uh, head to Firebase, create a project, um, and then uh, download. So you can either use it from the client SDKs, mm -hmm. um, iOS, Android, or web, or the server SDKs we were talking about. Just download the SDKs, load your config, and you're ready to go. That's it? That's it. Pretty much, yeah. Cool. Uh, Very so easy. One of the things that I love about uh, Firebase real-time database is that da that dashboard where you can see the data in real yeah. time, and you like if your program changes something, it just like changes colors and stuff. That's amazing. And it's like for demos, the best thing ever. Hmm. Uh, does Cloud Firestore also support these kind of things? Yes, it does. Um, it is something that we're also very excited about. Um, I think 
When I first discovered Firebase like many years ago, it was actually my co-founder had discovered it over the weekend, and he showed me his his laptop uh, with that dashboard yeah. and things changing <laughs> yep. in real time. He had created a, a whiteboard, so we were in collaboration. He had created a whiteboard. He showed me how you could move a square around the whiteboard, and uh, those coordinates would update in real time through the data viewer. And we were hooked. It was fun. It was it was very funny. Um, and this was really core to the experience of the Firebase database, and so it really mattered to us that we'd be able to provide a similar experience with Cloud Firestore. Um, so we, we did our best to, uh, to, to do something as cool, and we look forward to having feedback on what we did. Awesome. Um, so all of this sounds really great, and you talked about some comparisons between the real-time database and the new Cloud Firestore. Does this mean, like, if I'm sitting down and I've got a greenfield project and I want to build a thing, should I use a real-time database? Should I use Cloud Firestore? Which one should I use? So um, we're recommending uh, for new apps to use Cloud Firestore for developers who are comfortable using a beta product. That's kind of the short answer. Hmm. Uh, the long answer is you can use both products together. Mm -hmm. uh, for most use cases, Cloud Firestore will be the best solution. For certain edge cases, uh, the real-time database uh, might be more like make more sense to use from uh, a cost efficiency perspective. Okay. And the reason for this is that, uh, so first of all, uh, the cost of operating Cloud Firestore and the real-time database are not the same because one is a replicated database uh, and the other, uh, the other is not. Hmm. Um, and so typically with the real-time database, one thing that's something that is very, very efficient and cost efficient is to update small bits of data very fast. Um, so say you're building a collaborative whiteboard and you want to move a cursor around and sync that position and you'll you want to sync that several times a second. This is something that the real-time database is, is well built for because you're only charged for outgoing bandwidth. So even if you're doing many, many document writes, it's still okay. Yeah. Um, this model uh, with Cloud Firestore doesn't make as much sense because first of all, we're replicating your data uh, to for, for additional reliability and that type of data doesn't make sense to be replicated uh, uh, in, that, in, that, in that use case. And, and Cloud Firestore charges per operation. So you charge for every write and delete and edit, which is actually more intuitive for most use cases. Uh, but for this use case, for example, it's less performant. So in this type of scenario, what we're telling users is it's perfectly fine to use both databases together. Uh, the other thing is um, both databases will live alongside uh, in, uh, in the Firebase console. Uh, and if you're using the real-time database today, um, it is totally fine to continue using it. Or we'll be supporting and developing both products uh, going forward. Cool. So uh, when you say that you can use both of them at the same time, that doesn't mean that the data is replicating into both. Is that you can no. you have two different databases no. and you should choose either yeah. one? That's it. Uh, you can also use Cloud Functions to replicate data from one place to another very easily. So you mentioned real quick something that is actually really important for our audience, which is data replication. Could you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, I'll take that one. Uh, Alex mentioned it's a replicated database, so I'll tell you a little bit about how it works under the covers. Uh, it's what we call a multi-region replicated database. And that means whenever you write data, we're committing it not just to one or two data centers, we're committing it to multiple data centers across distinct geographical regions. So when you commit data, it actually is durable, even in the face of disasters. Does that mean that uh, those replicas also can take the reads? So uh, if your audience is or your user base is uh, distributed geographically, they will get the fastest? Yeah, I think 
probably the most important thing to note first off is Cloud Firestore goes across Google's internal network. Uh, so that means we're going to inbound your request from the closest point of presence, regardless of what country you're in, mm. and use our fiber optics to get you to the right data center to serve data. Each data center that we replicate to can serve mm. data out of it. Okay, uh, what about writes? It's like, uh, basically, my question is, is it like master, master active? Like, is, all of them are active and can take the reads and writes, or do you always need to go to one and the other one and just like read replicas? Yeah, so we are in an active-active configuration. Cool. Uh, our system will automatically route to where we think the quickest is going to be to start with, though. Nice. Uh, do you get to configure how many replicas you get, or is that a fixed number that is like the safe bet and that's it? So this is a fully managed solution by Google. That means Google engineering takes care of everything nice. for you. Node count, RAM allocation, cluster management is all handled by us. So you just need to think about how you use the SDK. He was mentioning before, Mark was mentioning before, if I'm to build something from scratch, which one should I be using? What if I'm already using uh, I'm already using real-time database, right? Like Firebase, Firebase real-time database. Under what conditions would you say that a Cloud Firestore is something that I should consider moving to? Um, so th there's a couple couple of I guess scenarios where it makes sense. Um, one is if you want to implement new functionality that um, will require some complex querying, uh, then definitely give Cloud Firestore a try. Also, I think the, the if you're really interested in getting the benefits of uh, the multi-regional data sync, then definitely use Cloud Firestore. Mm -hmm. And again, you can use both together. Um, so what we've been seeing in, with our testers so far, uh, especially those who are using the real-time database, um, is that you can typically just implement a new feature, have some of that data live in Cloud Firestore, uh, and use Cloud Firestore for that. And it also sounds like there's some web capabilities that you wouldn't necessarily be able to get inside real-time database, so that yes. may be a driving so, factor. Yeah, too. exactly. So um, if you want to, if you want to power an offline uh, ready web app, then yes, uh, definitely use Cloud Firestore. So I'm going to ask the question because I do stuff in gaming community stuff. Um, mm. I would like to see Unity and C++ SDKs. Can we have some, please? So this has been uh, an important request. Uh, it's definitely something that we would love to build. Uh, we don't have that on an immediate roadmap, but um, we care very much about that as well. Can people hassle you for it? They can. How? If, if there's something missing, <laughs> um, so we're going to have a, well, there is a discussion group you can join on Google Groups. Just look for Google Cloud Firestore Discuss and just tell us not just Unity and C++ SDKs that you might be looking for, but anything else that uh, you think will really flesh out the experience for you. And also, we're going to be sharing both of your Twitter handles. So there you go. Think about you directly. <laughs> All right. All right. Just saying. <laughs> cool. So we're kind of running out of time, but uh, we always like to give the opportunity to our guests to plug whatever you want to add, or is there anything that we left unsaid that you think is important our, our, our audience knows? So one thing I want to say, um, get out there and play with it. You don't need a credit card. It's got a pretty awesome free tier, so you can use the SDKs today, see what it's like, see how it's going to work for your app uh, without having to commit anything. Nice. That's a really, really good that's, point. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just echoing what, what Dan says, uh, our, our purpose is to make uh, developers uh, efficient and happy. So um, tell us what you think of the product and how we can improve it.
That sounds great. If there are, are there any like YouTube videos or blog posts or documentation, particular places people should go to learn about this stuff? Um, so there's a blog post on the Firebase blog. Uh, definitely read read that. There's actually two blog posts. Uh, one um, gen- generally talking about the product. One more specifically going into the differences with the real time database. Uh, I'd recommend reading both. Uh, and then the we ship it. We ship the product with an extensive set of documents. Uh, so definitely. Uh, read up read up there cool we'll have links to all of those from the show notes fantastic well thank you to both of you for joining us today on the podcast to talk to us all about Firestore I think our listeners will greatly appreciate it thank you thank Thank you. you thanks again to Dan and Alex for spending such a delightful time with us to talk all about Cloud Firestore a really, really cool project. I'm actually quite excited to sit down and play with it and see what I can build. Yeah, I'm I'm also very excited about that last mention of, oh, by the way, you can try it for free, no credit card needed. Yeah. That it makes it even easier to try. So I'm definitely going to play a little bit with it and see how it can help me build even better real-time stuffs. Yeah, no, and I love the, um, there's a focus there, I think, more on the website of things. Yeah, I definitely don't do that much uh, mobile programming, so I think I'm really kind of curious to see what I can do on the website. Yeah, Really, really exciting. Awesome. Well, why don't we get stuck into our question of the week? I think this is kind of an interesting one. So we're talking about data store this time. Uh, data store has been around for a really long time. I've wanted to always be able to do imports and exports of data at a data store, right? Data store is yeah. kind of proprietary. We we built it. It's a thing. Um, it's quite powerful. But maybe I want to pull data down for backups or I want to put it in BigQuery or something like that. What tools, what things do I have available to me there? So this is an interesting one because it's been changing over the time and at some point. So data store at the beginning was just the way you store data from App Engine. It was yep. available only from App Engine. And back then, in order to do backup or to export all of the data, what you had to do was to go into some console and run MapReduce. That, that would actually run on MapReduce and you would see the process and it would end up storing all of this into some files in a cloud storage bucket. Yep. Now, the thing is that there was no API for this at all. So you had to go and do it manually. Now, uh, that that thing has been replaced with something that we call the Manage Export and Import Service. Ooh, sounds fancy. Which, it's fancy, but it's beta, just so you know. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's an important thing to know. And basically, it allows you to export and import data in a very, very simple way. And it's very exciting because this time, rather than being only part of the console, it's more like what we do nowadays, right? Yeah. So it's part of the API, which you can also use from gCloud directly. So super simple, and you end up being able to download all the contents of your data store, so then you can upload it to other places, like let's say you want to upload it to BigQuery or whatever. Very simple to do from there. You can also upload into data store, and I know that some people want to do these kind of things for QA. So you have like a golden image or something mm. like that where you get you get that file, upload it to the data store, and then you start running from there. This is nice. I'm actually having a look through as well, and I'm seeing that there's uh, looks it looks like IAM permissions as well to yep. uh, hook in here so that you can dictate who or even what services could then be able to import and export. So people shouldn't be able to just go, oh, look, I can import into production. That's fine. You'd have a lot of control over this. This looks actually really nice. Uh, the only warning that I would give to anyone doing this is when you are doing a backup, you will be charged uh, the price of reading those entities. So it's something mm. to keep in mind. It is, it is. I mean, it makes sense because you're actually reading those entities. But keep in mind that if you have a huge database and you're taking backups every hour, that might be expensive. So take that into account and be careful with that. 
Awesome. Well, Frances, before we wrap up today, what are you up to? Where are you going? Is there Just for Funk? There was a first part of Just for Funk that I released yes, uh, last week, and, and next week I'll release the second part of the same Just for Funk, which is a code review of uh, some cool package which I already forgot what it did. It was cool. Okay, cool. We'll check <laughs> oh, it out. No, it was a URL shortener and oh, how nice. to do it. Yeah, it, is. it was a cool thing. I remember. Uh, and yeah, uh, after that, so I will be going to London. So on the week of the 17th to the 20th, it's going to be fun. On the 17th, I'm going to be speaking at, at the Go Meetup in London. On the 18th, I'll be speaking in, at Velocity London. On the 19th, I'll be speaking at Google Cloud Summit in Paris. Cool. What about you? Uh, so I'm not going anywhere for about two or three weeks, which is wonderful. Hmm. Uh, then I'm off to Australia, uh, DevFest Melbourne. I'll be there on the 21st of October, hanging out at Unite Melbourne. I'll be speaking at Game Connector Asia Pacific, uh, and then I'll be at PAX Australia after that. Cool. Uh, so yeah, if you see us around, say hi. Yes. Let us know. It was really cool to meet a bunch of people last week in Chicago that love the podcast. So thanks so much for all of you to say hi. Also... Please review our podcast on iTunes. We've been told to say that. So we're going to tell we had to say that. Yes, please yeah. do review our thing on iTunes and yeah. give it stars. Five stars. All or the more. stars. Or more. Yeah. Uh, and also, please get in touch with us if you have questions. Uh, we love questions of the week. Yep. Uh, let us know if you have interested on having some specific topic that you'd like us to cover. Like, I don't know, do you want us to talk more about serverless or Kubernetes? Well, more about Kubernetes, I don't think it's possible anymore, but whatever topic you're interested in. And in order to do that, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at GCP Podcast, on Reddit, uh, slash R slash GCP Podcast, on Google Plus, plus GCP Podcast, on MySpace. We don't have one of those, but maybe we should. <laughs> we should have a MySpace. Wait, uh, what else? Uh, we're on Slack. Slack at the Hash Podcast channel on bit.ly slash GCP dash Slack. Uh, and then finally, we have a webpage. Uh, GCPpodcast.com. And an email. Hello at GCPpodcast. Perfect. Sweet. Well, Francesc, thank you so much for joining me for yet another episode. Thank you, Mark. And thank you all for listening. And we'll see you all next week.